0: bringing relevant and engaging insights to human resource and talent development professionals. This is Talent Champions with Diana Thomas, sponsored by Franklin Covey. Here is your host, Diana Thomas.
1: Welcome to another episode of Talent Champions. I'm Diana Thomas, and I'm honored to serve as your host. I am super excited about today's episode and our guest, Tim Gink. Tim is probably one of my most favorite people that I was honored to work with at McDonald's Corporation. He's a professional trainer and performance consultant. Uh, He's currently an adjunct faculty with Post University, and he's held prior senior level roles in corporate learning and operations with Travelers Insurance and McDonald's Corporation. Our topic today is the art and value of inquiry. How simply framing questions the right way and listening to the answers can impact your entire career. Welcome, Tim.
0: Well, thank you, Diana. I'm excited to be here and as you said, I'm also very excited about this topic.
1: Yeah. So before we get into this exciting topic, how about if you share a little bit about your background and what brought you to the place that you're in today?
0: Sure, I'd love to. So, I always tell people my career started very unexpectedly when I was 17 years old and I got a job at a brand new McDonald's restaurant that was opening uh, near where I lived. And what I thought would be a good summer job actually turned into a 28-year career. So I was very fortunate right out of the gate that I worked with some really good managers and they kept offering me opportunities to grow and move up in the organization. And I learned so much. And then a change in life circumstances provided an opportunity for me to become an independent training consultant. And then uh, during that time, I also chose to complete my master's degree in organizational leadership. And after five years as a consultant, an opportunity came up that was really too good for me to pass up. I was recruited by Travelers Insurance to lead their learning delivery team at their 175,000 square foot facility facility in Windsor, Connecticut, that were responsible for delivering uh, learning events to over 12,000 claim employees. That was also a great opportunity and a job that I really enjoyed. And then in 2015, my wife and I decided to semi-retire and we moved to New Hampshire. So I went back into the consulting world. Now I focus most of my time on helping organizations deliver their training for leadership programs for management development uh, so that they can develop and retain their talent. And I totally love what I do and glad to be where I am today.
1: Yeah, you've had a wonderful background and as I mentioned in my intro, we had the chance to work together, not only in operations, but in training. And and I think it's been exciting to see opportunities that you've taken and how you've really defined what you want to be focused on and when. And I think that's a, a lesson we can all learn from is really just reflecting on where are you and what do you enjoy doing and then going after that and ch- instead of trying to do so many different things.
0: I wish I would have learned it a little sooner.
1: <laughs> we all get wiser with age, right?
0: <laughs> yes. Cool. Yes, we do.
1: So maybe we start with for our audience to just level set is why don't you share a definition of what inquiry is?
0: Sure. You know, if you look in the dictionary, you'll see something that looks like an act of asking for information. And I've also seen it described as you look into something. And just think about all the things that we might look into when it comes to navigating our jobs, we might look into how to solve a problem or how to build the business or how to develop our team. We might look into what motivates another person, what they need to be successful. We might look at how we can help them or what it takes to get their buy-in on ideas that we're trying to maybe uh, get implemented. So there's also opportunities to build relationships and partnerships. That we can look into so you know the list just kind of goes on and on and on in terms of how we can leverage this thing we're calling inquiry
1: and how did you come to be interested in this topic and so passionate about it
0: first of all i'm a very strong introvert so i've always had a tendency to be a good listener but i didn't always have the confidence to speak up and i think when i became a training facilitator It really opened up my eyes to the value in in asking effective questions. And then, as I have conducted leadership training across many organizations, I've really been surprised at how many employees struggle when it comes to this skill of inquiry. And I'll give you a quick example. There's a, a course I teach. It's a consulting skills course. And During this course, we do a consulting exercise where participants pair up and they take turns playing the role of a consultant. The goal is for them to inquire about the other person's problem, not to solve it, but to inquire about the other person's problem so that they can truly understand the root causes and not just the symptoms. They're given 25 to 30 minutes to interview their partner about the problem that they're facing. What's interesting is... I'll be watching and sometimes after maybe five minutes, I will see a group or a pair of folks that seem to be done. And when I go over and check in with them, they'll say, um, yeah, we solved the problem. And it's been like five minutes. (laughs) Well, (laughs) first of all, they weren't supposed to solve the problem. And then I say, well, play back for me how your conversation went. And it often sounds something like this. The person who's playing the role of the consultant will say something like, tell me a little bit about your problem. The other person will share a few things about the problem. And then the person playing the consultant will say, well, have you tried this? And the person will say no. And they'll say, okay, we solved the problem. And what they've really done is they haven't gotten to the root cause of the problem. They just wanted to fix it quickly. And I think, and I'll talk a little bit more about it coming up. I think in the work environment, for many folks today, they're so pressed uh, with time that they just try to expedite this process instead of um, really working it the way that it should be. So for the most part, it's a skill that just hasn't been focused on, I think. And when people begin to see it work, I see them get much more excited and much more effective in their roles.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. So you've said you're high uh, introvert. And as you know, I'm a high extrovert. That's why I think we made a, a winning combination when we worked together because we helped each other. Uh, so it's interesting when you were talking about that exercise, like 25 minutes to listen to someone, that seems like a long time. When I've known, because listening is something I've continued to to work on all of my life, is do you see that it's it's easier or harder for introverts versus extroverts? I have an opinion, but I'd love to know your thoughts.
0: That's a really good question. I, I see both sides struggle, but maybe for different reasons. I th- I see introverts struggle because there's that tendency sometimes to be more reflective and to listen and to not ask questions when maybe they should. And maybe on the extrovert side, I see the Uh, Kind of what you were just talking about, where there's that desire to, you know, let's get let's get this done. Let's move. Don't have all day kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I, I by far have found that introverts are much better listeners. It just seems to come naturally to you guys, you know, and and we have to as extroverts have to work a little harder. But like you said, oh, my gosh, it is so worth it when you can do these things to truly connect with coworkers to connect with your employees we've been talking a lot on our podcast about engagement and how do you really engage and and get your employees to feel valued and talk about listening i know we're going to get to inquiry but listening i think it is one of the things that if you feel heard it's just such a foundation for building relationships and, and resolving conflict, just like trust. But this listening piece, even though we're going to focus on inquire, I can't uh, overemphasize just how important it is.
0: Oh, I, I definitely agree, and I, I think uh, introverts can be good listeners to a fault sometimes. So there is that balance, I think, on for both sides where they may take it to an extreme where it becomes non-productive. I remember a time in my career where I was in an all-day meeting, and after the meeting, my boss, not you, but my boss at the time came up to me and said, were we boring you? And I said, what? He goes, were we boring you? And I said, what are you talking about? And he said, you didn't say anything the whole meeting. Well, I had been trying to figure out in my head how I was going to implement everything that was being talked about. I was processing at all. I just wasn't verbalizing at all. But that was kind of a wake-up call to me that I need to make sure that my being introverted in, in processing things isn't being perceived as being non-engaged. And, uh, and I also got some good advice from you once as well um, when you told me that you couldn't be the only person talking about all my great ideas. So I had to get more comfortable speaking up on mm-hmm. them as well.
1: Yeah. And and I think that is a, a perfect uh, example and I I've used your example with people that I've coached that are introverts and and you've made me a better coach understanding that and and techniques of why you need to show up if you are an introvert if you're not talking and you know how why you need to be quiet if you're an extrovert too so I think it's really important to know your style and know how you're showing up and the message you're sending and make sure that those are the messages that you need to send so uh, excellent point so kind of getting back out of in the general realm out of introverts, extroverts is asking questions and listening to the responses. It sounds so simple, but we know it's not. So why do you think people struggle?
0: <laughs> well, I think there's several reasons for the struggle. I think first, what I see a lot is many, or, many companies and organizations have really flattened out uh, their structures and employees are often working cross-functionally without clear lines of authority. And then second, they're also very busy, and their project timelines are very aggressive. They need everything done yesterday, and as a result, they end up just telling others what they need or what they want them to do, and that doesn't always get the result they need. So the problem is that inquiry takes time, and unfortunately, many people don't feel like they have enough time, and so they don't put that skill in their toolbox and really use it. You know, if you think back to when we were children, we had a natural predisposition to asking lots of questions because we wanted to understand how and why things worked the way they did. That's how we learned. So anybody who's been around kids or has kids knows this very well. You know, what's that? What does it do? Why do you need it? Where'd you get it? Can I have it? It's just question after question after question. And I think somewhere along the line, many of us stopped doing that. And I don't know, it could be because we were told stop asking so many questions or Maybe we felt at some point that we should know the answers. And so we didn't ask, even if we were unsure. And so I think it's kind of a skill that's just deteriorated over time. And we just need a little help refreshing it. So, you know, you also mentioned uh, listening and listening skills. And I think they're very critical to effective inquiry as well. There's a Stephen Covey quote that I always remember that where he said something to the effect of, Most people don't listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. And how many of us do that? I think we all do that to some degree. Again, we're very busy. We're trying to get a lot done. And we have more things to distract us today than ever before with technology. And all those things help to make us poor listeners.
1: Especially as organizations have evolved as I'm coaching executives as I'm interacting with our audience members it just feels like there is so much more that needs to get done so you have to decide where to spend the time and how much time you can spend and like you said there's a lot more cross-functional Uh, movement and interacting with people that you might not know as well. And I think sometimes when you've worked with someone for a while, you kind of get a sense of, okay, how do I connect or when do I need to go deeper? But I think you point out some really good things that could probably apply to almost everybody in regards to why it's a little more challenging and why it's so important. So maybe talking a little bit more about what do people stand to gain by really working on honing and improving their inquiry skills?
0: You know, first of all, as I've said, both inquiry and effective listening, they are learnable skills. And so that's the good news. And I think when we improve those skills, we do a number of things. I think we open up paths to better understanding. I think we're more effective at creating win-win scenarios. And I think it also changes how other people perceive us, uh, because I think we're seen as being more collaborative, maybe more empathetic. And as a result, we're able to build relationships. And you were just kind of talking about that. And that's one of the big things that I find that are kind of uh, light bulb moments in some of the classes that I teach is particularly in classes like getting results without authority is people underestimate the importance of building relationships. And when you build relationships, you build credibility, you build trust. It's easier to influence others to do what you need them to do and to get better results. In that class that I teach, um, Getting Results Without Authority, we use a uh, Harvard Business Review article for part of it, and it's called The Necessary Art of Persuasion, and it was written by uh, Jay Conger. And in that article, he says that when colleagues see a persuader is eager to hear their views and willing to make changes in response to their needs, they respond very positively. And you can't do that if you don't inquire and you don't listen.
1: In regards to just building great relationships, it's so important that managers have that kind of rapport with their employees because employees have so many choices today. And they can leave, but studies and statistics and the research shows that when a, an employee feels connected to their boss that if something comes up, they're going to bring it to their boss instead of just quitting. And before they leave a company, it's going to be harder for them to walk away. And so for all of the managers out there or those talent champions that coach managers, helping our managers, our executives learn to connect by asking the best questions and really listening to their employee, I don't know if there's any other more important skills, I'd say.
0: Yeah, it is interesting because if you ask people who do they work most effectively with, oftentimes it's people they have a good relationship with and the people that they don't have relationships seem to be the ones that they struggle with. So anything they can do in terms of investing time in building relationships across a bigger group of people and expanding that stakeholder base and support base, the better off they are when they are trying to influence other people because they have allies. They have a support system out there that can help them.
1: Yeah, which is even more critical as you were talking about flatter organizations. So there's not as much position power. You really do have to influence and and get people to see your point of view or change your point of view so that it can be uh, put out there in a way that people really will embrace it, use it, be able to make a difference because the the art of leadership where you could just tell people this needs to get done and walk away, it's gone.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a big part of that Harvard Business Review article as well. They talk about that, you know, that command and control is no more. People want to know the why behind what they're being asked to do um, and they want more involvement in that. So yeah. It's definitely changed
1: yeah and as we think about younger generations of employees and back to you know as kids, how many why questions and and I don't really remember they'd get a point with my daughters that it'd be just like I want to say why because I said so but you know you don't <laughs> want you don't want them to feel like that so I think our generation answered more questions than maybe our parents did and maybe we had the relationship where we'd ask more but I do feel like today's employees, are, are questioning things more. They wanna be able to know how what they're doing supports the purpose, and if they don't see that, they're gonna ask for it, and, and they're inquiring. So as leaders, we need to do a better job, and employees with just other employees. So I love the topic, and now I can understand a little bit more about why you're, why you're so passionate about it. So maybe just give a couple examples of if you have a situation or two or maybe where there was conflict and the art of inquiry made all the difference to the outcome.
0: I'll share a couple examples. The first one is really a a very simple example in my mind, but it it really kind of demonstrates how a few questions can really change a situation. Uh, I was in a meeting once where there were a group of eight to 10 leaders that were trying to plan a year-end meeting for their entire staff of 85 people. And this group was brought together by a senior leader to decide, okay, what are we gonna do during these four days? And for about the first hour, the conversation just kind of went all over the place. And at that point, somebody raised their hand and they asked three questions. The three questions they asked were, at the end of the four days, how do we want our people to feel? What do we want them to know? And what do we want them to do? And the whole room was silent for a minute. And then people went, those are really good questions. And it really became the framework for the purpose of the meeting, the planning of the meeting, and the executing of the meeting. So just those three questions kind of framed the whole thing and got everybody off there and Uh, out of that situation where nothing was progressing to getting some serious work done.
1: Those are great, great questions. And, and I think about how it then changes the conversations on what do you want done as far as the orchestrators to what do we want our people to walk away with? And that's really right. the, the overall intent. So great questions. We'll make sure that we include that in uh, the summary as well. So if people didn't catch all of those, but really great questions for everybody to have in their back pocket
0: yeah, it's, and the thing is, is, you know, maybe there isn't an answer to all three of the questions, but they certainly provide the opportunity to assess from those three different angles what it is you want to accomplish. But I've had multiple students that were working in uh, project teams and they were having trouble getting peers to get them what they needed and they didn't have direct authority. A lot of times it was newer, younger workers dealing with older, more seasoned peers. And After learning the art of inquiry, I've heard from some of them who went back and they started over and used questions to better understand the other person's role, their workload, their challenges, their needs. They found ways to form partnerships that could create win-win situations for both parties. So they went from struggling to get what they needed to developing a better understanding uh, of the other person's situation and then coming up with something mutual that would work for both.
1: Great examples. Thank you for sharing. So hopefully by now, we've convinced our audience that this is an important skill. And they're probably saying, now, how do I get better at this? So what specifically could our listeners do to continue to develop this skill?
0: Well, I think the first step in this effective inquiry is the ability to ask good questions. And that can often be broken down into three types of questions, open questions, probing questions, and then closed questions. The open questions are the big, broad questions that provide the person who's answering the opportunity to really go anywhere with their answer. You know, we don't want to influence the answer if we're seeking to really understand. And so these questions will typically begin with who, what, when, where, why, how. a Couple examples could be, so tell me what you are experiencing. Can you describe the problem you're having? What's most important to you when it comes to this project? So again, when you ask a, a, a big open question like that, you allow the person on the other end to kind of go wherever they feel best answers the question or what's on their mind. And you're not targeting them like that example I shared in the consulting skills class where, you know, you ask one question and then boom, you give them an answer. Mm-hmm. So, so again, they allow for a wide, um, potential of answers. And I think this would be a good time to also talk about the value of using silence. And I can't really emphasize enough how valuable and how effective the use of silence can be all the way through this process, but here in particular, because often when we ask that initial question, we get get an initial response and it may not be everything. But the problem is, is when we're in a rush and we're in a hurry, we get this initial response and then we run with it. And we take it as, okay, that's, that's the problem or that's, you know, the situation. And we're off to the races uh, working towards a solution. My recommendation is after you ask that initial question, I always tell people, shut up, <laughs> zip it and listen. And just use silence. You can also use some, you know, verbal cues. You could go okay or tell me more or you could just nod and shake your head, but force yourself not to respond after that initial answer. The majority of the time, you're going to get they are going to continue to talk and what you get after that is oftentimes gold. It's the stuff you really need to hear and it's going to be really really helpful. So Ask those big, broad, open questions, then be quiet and listen and use that silence to your advantage. That's very challenging for people. I see it all the time in the exercises we do. People don't like silence and they have a tendency to want to talk. So again, that's another skill you have to work on.
1: Yeah and if you're an extrovert and you're asked a question most of the time we are thinking when we're talking and we need a little space to kind of see was that it or do we need to consolidate it so I love that advice because depending on where you are, you know, sometimes when you're the listener and you're not comfortable with silence, it can feel like it's taking forever, but you know, silence, it goes by so quickly. And as you said, it can be so powerful. So I would really encourage our listeners to try after you've asked that broad question, starting broad is is just to see if you could pause a little bit more than you normally would (laughs) and see what happens.
0: Yeah, you know, there. there's a saying that if you don't know what an extrovert's thinking, you're not listening. And if you don't know what an introvert's thinking, you haven't waited long enough for them to answer. So it works for both parties. It gives that extrovert the opportunity to continue to talk out their thoughts. It also gives the introvert time to process and think about their thoughts so that they can speak.
1: Great. Okay. So you've asked the big question, you've really yep. listened, then where do you go?
0: So then we go into the probing or the building questions and those are the questions that provide us the opportunity to dig deeper and better understand the other person and their situation and these questions could sound like tell me more about that when does that seem to occur what are the consequences or benefits of that you can use the you know, the visual of a funnel too the top of the funnel that's wide open are the big broad questions and now you're into these probing questions, so you're more into the middle of the funnel. You're trying to now better understand what the person gave you when you asked those big open questions. And so you just start to ask some of these questions that'll make them talk a little bit more about the things that, that you heard. So they will help us better understand and get more of the detail. And then once we've done that, we want to use the closed questions. To help us bring the conversation to an end so let's say we've been talking we we're trying to get something from somebody else and we've been asking him to tell us a little bit about what maybe some of the challenges are and we've probed a little bit more and now we might get to a point where we might say something like so if we were able to make that change you could support this proposal is that correct it's a yes no question our closed questions are meant to kind of bring things to an end and and oftentimes we can make them yes. No, we get, we might say something like, well, if I'm able to do this for you, you will deliver that for me. Is that correct? Now we're getting agreement and then we can decide on any follow-up or, you know, action steps that need to come after that. So big open questions to get things started, our probing questions to better understand, and then our closing questions to finalize and bring it to an
1: end. That's a great structure. We'll make sure to outline that and and send it out to our audience. So, you know, if you had that in front of you, I think it would be easier to engage with someone. Once you've covered this with the students, is it something that they're able to just embrace and then to actually practice right away or implement?
0: Yeah, it is. One of the things I see a lot of times is when, when people start hearing some sample questions, uh, I'll see all of a sudden pens will start writing. And they're like, oh, that's a great question. Oh, yeah, I'm, I could use that one. I could answer that. I could I could use that to, to ask so-and-so. And I see people jotting these questions down. So I think it's really helpful to have a list of what questions might you ask that are broad? What questions might you ask to clarify? And what questions might you ask to close it up? And having those, I think, can be helpful. Again, that one of the challenges is, I, t- I usually tell people, you can usually script your first question and your last question, but you can't script what's going to happen in between because you don't know what the person's going to say. And that's where this art, you know, the art of inquiry, it's a skill. You have to practice it. And I can tell you, it took me a long time to, <laughs> to get comfortable with it. And There's also some common mistakes that I see uh, when it comes to doing this. Can I share some of those?
1: Mm -hmm, Absolutely.
0: So one of them is asking closed questions too soon. The good news is if you do ask a closed question too soon, you can typically follow it up with an open question. Uh, As an example, if you said, uh, is this a problem for you? Well, that's a yes, no question. We typically don't want to ask that right away. If the person says yes, you could follow it up with, well, tell me why that is. Now you're back to a big, broad, open question. Mm -hmm. So if you do find yourself asking a closed question or a yes, no question too soon, just follow it up with an open question to get more detail. Another mistake that I typically see people make is asking either or questions. And actually, in one of your previous podcasts on effective interviewing, I think you had uh, Ariane uh, Gasser mm-hmm. and she called, she called them guessing questions and she used uh, this example. Did you feel pressured because of the boss or the short timeline? Mm-hmm. Now, the problem with that question is that it may not be either of those two choices. And I typically try to avoid these questions altogether, but if you were to use them, you should be using them pretty late in the conversation when you know that you've, effectively narrowed the focus down to those two, two choices. But I see people use either or questions way, way too early in the conversation. And it's like you're steering the person or trying to steer them in a certain way. And again, you're giving them a choice, but it might not be either of those things. The last mistake that I see people typically make is they'll ask a really good open question, but they can't leave it alone. So after asking the question, they'll pile on one, two, three more questions or statements on top of it. And pretty soon the other person doesn't know which question that they're supposed to respond to. It could sound something like this. Tell me about the challenges you're having, which is a great question. And in in a lot of the role plays we do, I'll hear somebody ask a really good question like that and then they'll start talking and I'll say, stop. (laughs) That was a really good question. So, so, it could sound like this Tell me about the challenges you're having. Have you always had these issues? I mean, does it happen at the beginning or the end of the cycle, or when does it happen? So, I've now asked them like four different things. And what are they supposed to answer? There's a radio talk show that I listen to on a regular basis, and both of the hosts will often be interviewing guests. And I hear them do this all the time, and it just drives me crazy because they'll ask the person a question, which is a really good question, but before the person can answer, they'll start piling on other questions or thoughts or comments, and pretty soon they've got this convoluted question slash statement that they've asked the person, and I feel so sorry for the person being interviewed, because sometimes there's a really long pause, and I can tell they're just going, uh, what am I supposed to answer again? <laughs>
1: It sounds like a conversation I've had with my husband. I'll ask a bunch of questions he's not answering. So I'm thinking, well, maybe he didn't like that question. I'm going ask another one. He's like, you won't even let me think to respond back. So
0: <laughs> yes, 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 that's very true. So I think the reason we do that sometimes is because we're either nervous, we're unprepared, or we don't like silence. Mm-hmm. So we keep talking. And I think, again, that's something people have to work on if, is getting comfortable not listening to themselves talk and letting the other person uh, join the conversation. All right, so those are some examples of questions we can ask to be better when it comes to this art of inquiry. But we also mentioned that importance of listening skills. So how do we go about improving those? Well, I think today our effective listening is really made a lot more difficult because we are constantly being barraged by information and a lot of that is due to technology and what's available to us, and this can really be a big distraction when it comes to trying to be an effective listener. Another reason it's challenging for us to listen is because the average person speaks at about 125 to 150 words per minute. Our brains, however, can listen at a rate of 425 to 450 words a minute, so that means while you're talking to me, my brain is trying to figure out what to do with its extra capacity, And that is why we see people who are multitasking or thinking about what they want to say next and not really truly uh, listening effectively. The good news is there's some ways to engage our brains to help improve our listening skills. And I'm gonna share a couple of those tips with you now. One tip is to use visualization. Visualizing what the other person is saying creates an image in our brains. And that helps keep our brain engaged, but it also helps create memory recall because it's a lot easier for us to recall memories than it is to recall words so when it's when somebody's speaking to you if you try to visualize what it is they're saying you'll create that visual in your head that will both help you listen and also help you recall what you were hearing the other person talk about two other ones that can help are visual and verbal attending Think about the things we do when we're visually showing somebody that we're listening. We may lean into the conversation. We nod. We make eye contact. Those visual cues help the other person know that we're listening, and it helps force us to stay engaged. Verbal attending are those noises we make with our voice to show that we're engaged. Things like, "Uh uh-huh, okay, yes. Just to, again, let the person know we're listening to encourage them to keep talking. Two others that can really be helpful, and you can combine these two uh, well, one is listening for emotion. And that's not always easy, but it can help us better understand how the other person is feeling. Listening for emotion can really help uncover how that person is truly feeling about the topic of conversation. So think about what are you sensing? Are you sensing anger, confusion, excitement, happiness? What is it? And if you combine that with this next one, which is paraphrasing, combining listening for emotion and paraphrasing creates a really powerful combination. It is very difficult to play back what you heard and the emotion that you sense if you're not actively listening. So if you only focused on one or two of these skills, paraphrasing, listening for the content and listening for the emotion would be a great place to start.
1: Wonderful advice. I really like that list. And when I think about just some of the tips, even starting with that first one, the visualization, for me, that really resonated because sometimes I have to work even harder when somebody is just talking to me because I'm a huge visual learner. So if you write it down and I see it, I get it. When you're telling me, I have to work harder. So I love that tip of trying to visualize what they're saying, because then I think I can remember and relate to it even more. So I'm going to try those things out. You've given our audience some wonderful tips, both in asking questions and how to do that. And now with listening, and we'll make sure we put this together and send it out as part of the um, podcast. So wonderful information. So, Tim, what resources do you recommend to our talent champions in regards to just mastering this art of inquiry?
0: Well, I'll share a couple. One of them is a organization called Leadership Strategies. Uh, Their web address is leadstrat.com. And I actually took a five-day class there several years ago. This would be a class for people who really want to develop that skill. But they also have a number of free tools online. One of the tools is 12 questions you should ask your project head or something like that. But it gives you, again, good questions to ask people to better understand the work that you're being tasked to do. So there's both free tools there and paid tools on that site as well. And I'm currently actually reading a book called Maximum Influence by Kurt Mortensen, and I found some really great tips in that book for not for for, for both being effective as a leader or manager, but there's also a section in there on the value of asking questions. And another resource that I've used for quite a while that I really like is uh, it's called Smart Briefs, and you can find that at www.smartbrief.com. It's a free resource. There's a lot of different categories, and they pull articles from all different publications that are targeted to the specific category you subscribe to. So as an example, I subscribe to Smart Brief on leadership, and then I also subscribe to Smart Brief for your career. So Monday through Friday, I get an email for each of those. There will be a list of maybe seven or eight articles related to that topic, so in this case, leadership, and they give you a like a paragraph overview of the article and if you like it you can click the title and get the article for free and i've utilized hundreds of articles from this resource and it's actually how i met one of the other resources that i'll share with you and i'm a big fan of a woman by the name of patty azarello at azarellogroup.com she's a former ceo and current author of two books one's called rise one's called move and then she's an executive coach and speaker But I really like her. She does a weekly blog and she's got really great information to help people, you know, just be successful in the workplace. She often kind of categorizes it into three areas. Do better, look better and connect better. Those are some of the resources that I use on a regular basis.
1: Great resources. Thanks for sharing. So one question I love to ask all of my guests as we're looking at winding down is who is one person that has had a great impact on your professional life? And why wouldn't you be where you are today without that person's influence?
0: Well, that's an easy question for me because, and I I hope the audience understands this wasn't a setup, but you are that person in my life. Mm -hmm. So I know I've told you many times over the years that uh, if I had not worked for you, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. And that is so, so true. And I tell people in classes, I teach all the time the same thing, but I think your inquiry skills were very strong and they influenced me in a very positive way. And I, one of the other skills that I think made a huge difference was your ability to push me out of my comfort zone in a safe way and teach me the value of creating a feedback rich environment. I always kid uh, I say this half jokingly, but I always tell people that I'm pretty sure your favorite six words were, I have some feedback for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and right, feedback is a gift. You can choose to take it or not, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, and, and, and I think effective feedback is certainly a great skill for any talent champion to have. And it certainly made a difference in my life and my career.
1: Oh. Well, thank you. That was very, very kind. So what final piece of advice do you have for our talent champions, Tim?
0: Well, I guess I would say a couple general things. First of all, don't ever stop learning and sharing your knowledge with others. Um, Build a strong network of people and resources to help. And that's something that's not a static activity. It's not something you can do once. It has to be nourished on a regular basis, you know, or it'll die. And then practice these skills of asking good questions and effective listening. And just tell yourself and remind yourself that it takes time to to learn it and takes practice. So keep working at it. You'll get better.
1: Wonderful advice. So how can our listeners get in touch with you or continue to learn more from you?
0: Well, they can connect with me on LinkedIn. i am got my presence there and they're welcome to email me directly and We can uh, put this out there as well. My email address is tgenck at sbcglobal.net. It's
1: been such a pleasure connecting with you. Both of us have been this continual learners, you know, this this quest to continue to learn. But you know, you've really reached out and shared resources like you did today. And I so appreciate that that, you know, we can all continue to learn from each other. And if you have good people out there, they make you better. And and you're definitely an example of that. So thank you for your time and for sharing your expertise. I hope we piqued our audience's interest to learn more about this and not only just learn but to practice asking better questions and really connecting with people so thank you it's been a pleasure Tim
0: thank you Diana appreciate it
1: here's a quick summary of today's takeaways the art of inquiry is the act of asking for information and listening to the response while it's a simple concept learning to effectively use the art of inquiry is a complex process that takes practice Asking questions the right way, listening to the answers, and ensuring others feel heard is foundational to building relationships and resolving conflict. In the busy workplaces of today, taking time to ask questions has been sacrificed to aggressive timelines. Inquiry takes time. Asking the right questions can help cut to the chase about what's really important in an initiative. Tim shared the example of a group of senior leaders planning an event for their staff and they use three questions to direct the planning that can apply to so many projects. One, how do we want our people to feel? Two, what do we want our people to know? And three, what do we want our people to do? Good questioning follows a funnel with open questions at the top of the conversation, probing questions in the middle, and closed questions to confirm agreement at the end. By beginning with the open questions, you avoid influencing the speaker's answers. Using silence is as critical as framing your questions properly. Silence gives the speaker the opportunity to share more than the first answer that comes to mind. Tim says that what comes after the initial answer is often gold, the stuff you really want to hear. It gives introverts and extroverts a chance to process their thoughts in their instinctual manner. You can script the first or open questions, and you can also script the ending or close question. However, what happens in the middle depends on what the speaker says. That's why it can take time and practice to master the art of inquiry. You can't simply rely on a formula to get your desired result. Listening can be challenging because our brains work faster than our mouths can speak. Visualizing while listening can help you to stay focused on the speaker while also laying down memories. Use visual and verbal cues to show that you're engaged. And also listen for the emotion under the words. Tim shared some wonderful resources for our continuous learning that we will link to our website, talent champions.com. That's all for today. Join us again in two weeks for our next guest a highly successful learning executive who will be sharing her wisdom about pursuing career dreams. Find us on your favorite podcast player and subscribe to our email list to receive notifications when new episodes are released. Our email subscribers will also get bonus content from our guests, like Tim's sample questions list and tips for improving your listening skills.
0: Thanks for listening to Talent Champions with Diana Thomas. Be sure to check out the full Franklin Covey Podcast Network by searching Franklin Covey on your favorite podcast provider.